what I'm basically trying to show you is here's what you can do. And here are some techniques as to how you can earn points at a very healthy rate. You don't have to be super rich to earn a few hundred thousand points a year, which is more than enough to take a great big international trip, fly business, stay in nice hotels. Hey there, points people. You just heard a clip from Zachary Burr Abel. Zach is a successful actor, author, and entrepreneur with over 1.7 million followers. His travel hacking tips have earned him TV spots and features in top publications like Travel and Leisure, Entrepreneur, The Wall Street Journal, BuzzFeed, and many more. His book, First Class Travel on a Budget, debuted at the number one spot on Amazon's lists. Zach flies over 100,000 miles a year and has extracted over $1 million worth of luxury travel using points. In this episode, Zachary shares his thoughts on points and miles, content creation in the travel and lifestyle niche, and the significance of being authentic online. He highlights the importance of getting started, being consistent, discovering one's own style, and offering helpful advice for newcomers about traveling first class on a budget. And if you're thinking about starting your own travel content, consider the Chase Sapphire Preferred card, which is one of the most popular cards for people looking to dive deeper into points and miles. Remember, if you decide to apply for the Chase Sapphire Preferred or any other card, never apply directly through Google. Always use a friend or creator's referral link. And if you're interested in supporting this show when you apply for your next card, check out geobreezetravel.com slash cards. And if you're not sure what card is right for you, I offer free credit card consultations at geobreezetravel.com slash consultations. And we have links to the Chase Sapphire Preferred card and the free consultation form for you in the show notes as well. And now on with the show. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. With so many travel possibilities, one big challenge is narrowing down your options and figuring what is a good deal. If too many possibilities and not knowing where to even start makes you nervous, check out a deal subscription service like Thrifty Traveler. They'll send flight deal recommendations straight to your inbox, saving you the hassle of trying to find deals yourself. Each deal they send is packed with hundreds or even thousands of dollars of savings. Imagine if you saved $600 off of the tickets to the Cook Islands, or saved $300 off of tickets to Costa Rica, or even saved $4,000 off of business class tickets to Greece by booking with points instead of cash. The key to getting great flight deals is to jump on the deals once you see them before they're all gone. So check out Thrifty Traveler today to start saving on flights. Sign up today at thriftytraveler.com and use the code GEO10, that's G-E-O-1-0, to save $10 off of the annual subscription. Thank you to Thrifty Traveler for partnering with this episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Hey, Zach, welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you on here and to talk about all things points and miles and just kind of the illusion of Instagram and influencing and TikTok and how what people kind of see us doing isn't always the full picture. Yes, this is very, very true. It seems like people are sort of always taking crazy, crazy trips and making like unlimited points, but that's definitely not always the case or pretty much never the case. So yeah, yeah, we can crack into that if you want. Sure. Before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about you. I know you're one of the biggest points and miles people on TikTok, more than a million followers and very large on Instagram as well. But for anybody who hasn't heard of you, tell us a little bit about you and how did you get into this world of points and miles? Yeah, sure. That was a very uh, a kind uh, introduction. Yeah. So I started I guess going down the rabbit hole of points and miles sometime around like 2010 or 11, I was like somewhat fluent in it because my dad did a lot of corporate travel. So he held a lot of like Marriott and Northwest status. And I really started to kind of unpack it on a trip for a buddy's wedding in India. And I kind of like patch together some like good stuff that would like pale in comparison to kind of what people do now. But that was like my first foray into it. And at the time I was a full time actor living in Los Angeles and I really kind of, I guess, went full steam ahead between 
2012 and 2015 when I'd planned a big trip around Southeast Asia for a couple of buddies of mine. And we like leveraged credit card points and got a ton of different hotels kind of booked all on points or like utilizing fine hotels and resorts via Amex Platinum. And then in 2015, I launched my blog uh, kind of as like a cathartic exercise. I had had a back surgery that didn't go exactly as planned. And I was like spending a lot of restless nights basically going to like flyer talk and all the boards and message boards and all of that kind of like learning a lot of stuff and reading boarding area and the points guy and million mile secrets and a lot of like those sites from back in the day. And in 2015 is like when I really launched the blog kind of like just as a hobby and was posting maybe every three, four days. And towards the end of that year, I was picked up by boarding area to kind of be on their servers and be a part of their ad network and all of that. And that's kind of like when things turned a corner and it went from being kind of a hobby to people recognize me within sort of like LA because I would take these crazy trips with my now wife, Elizabeth. And they'd say like, can you plan something like that for me as well? So I'd start booking like all a cart trips for them and the business kind of built up that way. And then the social media aspect really scaled up starting in 2019 when I started posting on TikTok. And that was like a kind of a beautiful marriage between probably my obsession with Jim Carrey style comedies growing up as a kid. And then like the short form, like bang, bang, bang content. And I was like, no one's kind of doing this in this space right now. And that kind of clicked and my audience grew, um, kind of exponentially throughout the pandemic. And then it felt like Instagram and YouTube shorts and those sort of started to pick up within that short form content as well. And that was like a, a, a kind of a scaling of the business that's I'm kind of just running with at this point, but that's the long story short, I guess. When you first started with the blog, it was faceless, right? Like the face of the blog was Miles, the stuffed monkey. Yeah. Yeah. He's back here. It's, this is the original Miles. So this is like, I think my, my mom gave this to me as a kid. I was like, I, I didn't know if people would take an actor seriously writing about it. I know that like a lot of people within the space, it can get quite protectionist. And I didn't know if that would in some way compete as an actor. If I had this other thing going on at the time, that was, I think, more of an issue, or at least I made it an issue. And then I think around the TikTok, Instagram sort of, period is when I just said, I'm, it's going to be monkey miles by Zachary Barable. And I kind of like became a part of it a- alongside miles, of course. Yeah. Do you think it's a lot easier to grow if you are the face of the brand versus when people are starting out? I know a lot of people are a little bit camera shy. Most of us do not have a background in acting. I'm always like, man, Zach's just so smooth on camera. I'm always just like, and then you click here. And I'm like, most of us are not well-trained on camera. Do you think it's a lot easier to grow for people who are looking to get into points if they are willing to be on camera or does it really make a difference? It's interesting sort of like the, the evolution of the space because I think that back when it was just blogs, I think people are just looking sort of for information and like the information was new and that's what was so sort of like revolutionary. I think people are thirsty for credible information. And if you have like a face next to that information and you can create, bring sort of like your own style into it, I found it to be a lot easier to grow in that way. I know that there are, there are websites out there. I mean, like, you know, doctor of credits and you've got like thrifty traveler, like there's different ones out there that pretty much remain faceless. Like you don't exactly think of a face that's like with those. I mean, certainly doctor of credit, nobody knows what they look, at least I don't, but it's like, I I think that there are ways to do it. I think it's just a lot more difficult as a newbie personally, but I don't know. What do you think? I think it's a lot easier to grow if you are willing to show your face. We've had, we've had people on the podcast in the past, like early, early days. I don't think he even makes content anymore from SWA travel tips. He was like an expert in Southwest and knew so much about Southwest where he was like, it was before the podcast had videos. He was like, I need this audio only. 
for the graphics. I need to be wearing like a pandemic mask on a plane. Like I can't have Southwest come after me because I think he had like inside sources giving him stuff before press releases. So that's like on the extreme end of what I've had on the podcast. But if somebody's just starting out personally, I think it is a lot easier to grow if instead of just making carousel graphics, which you can grow that way, but I think it is easier if you are willing to put yourself out there a little bit and kind of talk about more your point of view and how you think about things because there's only so many ways to explain what is five over 24. So absolutely. I completely agree. Speaking of personal style, where did the, I got you baby sign behind you come from? And you use that phrase a lot in a lot of your videos. Where did that come from? Gosh, I think I was doing, it was during the pandemic. And so my dad got into a bad car accident during the pandemic and I ended up, it was a time. So my, my wife is an actor for those. Uh, I know Julia knows, knows my wife, but for those who don't know, my wife is an actor and she was filming a, a show actually in London and my dad had gotten into this accident. So I ended up moving back into my parents' house to help him sort of recover and ended up there for like five or six months or something. Cause basically everything was locked down as we all know. And I was doing these videos at their bar in their basement. And somehow on one of those videos, I said, like, baby, I got you or I got you, baby, or some iteration of that. And I got all these comments. And so then it became this thing where I was like, I I started putting it into videos and it started to get like people really liked it. Or if I didn't put it in there, they'd be like, where is it? And so it kind of just took on this shape of its own. And so then my wife actually got me this. Uh, I think it was like two Christmases ago. She got it for my office. And so I, I try and put it in as many videos as possible, but only if it like feels organic and kind of fun and, you know, just sort of like making it light. But yeah. I love how modest you are about like, I was an actor. My wife is an actor. It's like you guys have IMDb pages. You were on Make It or Break It. She was Gemma on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for anybody who doesn't know, like they are big time actors. Yeah, we were, we were like professionally working as actors in LA on sets. And then like my wife's career is just has done phenomenally well. And mine sort of like after Make It or Break It, Secret Life American Teenager, I did a bunch of different shows. It, it became harder after my back surgery. I think there was like a year to where I had a lot of difficulty just physically doing things. And I really think it's a blessing in disguise because like I wouldn't have been doing what I'm doing now with the focus uh, had none of that happened. So, I mean, I'm completely open that if new opportunities come my way in terms of film or TV, like I would certainly welcome them, but like, I sort of love what I'm doing. This has been a, an amazing marriage of like, I just want to like entertain and kind of like inspire and educate. And it's like, if I can do that, I don't really care what medium it is. And so this has like worked out really well for me and who knows, just run with it, see where it goes. A lot of people compare kind of the world of influencing when you become like a huge influencer with millions of followers to kind of being like a celebrity and like an actor on a TV show or a movie, because people do just start to recognize you after a while. A lot of like the largest um, followers on TikTok and Instagram, they are cultural icons. Do you see that kind of similarity or how does it feel from like the behind the scenes part? What are the similarities and differences being like an actual actor in Hollywood versus on social media with TikTok and Instagram. It's interesting. I think that that is sort of where things are moving. I think that the content creators, certainly when you look at people, I mean, I'm 43. So, I mean, when I think of like stars or whatever, from when I was growing up, the only way that you had access to people was TV and film. I look at it now and I certainly like look at cousins I have or niece and nephews and they watch hardly any scripted content, almost all of the stuff that they consume. And a lot of what I consume is actually, you know, it's YouTube, it's TikTok, it's Instagram. So I think that there is a part of that. It, it's weird. It's like, uh, like I will geek out super hard. Like I remember the first time that I met like Ben Schlappig from like one mile at a time and Gary left from view from the wing. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, I was like, I can't believe it. Like I was at a boarding area. I was like, Oh my God. Like I'm like, my hands are sweating. Like I'm nervous to like actually go say like, what's up to them. And like at that time, like I was still going to like premieres and stuff in LA and I was less like starstruck by people that you would recognize from TV than I was like, Oh my God. Like I read their stuff. Like 
I think the big difference, and I, I think you can see it somewhat with how like traditional film and, and TV uh, celebrities interact with people is that like, if, if I do get recognized specifically for travel TikTok type stuff, it's like they like the information and it's kind of like they feel like they have a relationship more with me rather than if there is a relationship, it's with some character that has been played. And so I think that that's part of also like why I would geek out talking with Ben or Gary. I was like, you feel like you know them, like you feel like like you've benefited from the information that they've given. And so I don't know, like you look at how much how much time people spend on the apps versus how much time they spend watching film and TV. TV, and I think that that is sort of like that. It, it feels like that's where attention and, and I guess celebrity is migrating. Do you get recognized more from your TikTok content or from like Big Bang Theory? I mean, it's completely travel at this point. Like I, I get recognized every once in a while for make it or break it or something like that. I, I'll see it pop up on videos that I put up that people had no idea that I'm even doing the travel stuff. And they're like, what's going on? I think part of that was also driven because a couple of the series that I was in during the pandemic, they were re-released on the streaming. So it hit like a whole new group of people. But now it's like, it's when I'll go to like an airport lounge, it's it's a lot of times it's when you're like doing the travel and then someone will be like, hey, what's up? But I mean, it must be happening to you as well. And it's like, it's kind of an out of body weird thing. It does happen. It is a weird out of body thing. It's always like in another country too, where my husband's like, what is going on? Why does this person in Athens recognize you? Because it's always like in an international airport except for one time in San Francisco where I was at a restaurant and I was having lunch with another points person and somebody came up and like, are you Geo Breeze Travel? And I'm like, yeah, I am. Hi, thanks so much for following the content. And people are like, does this happen often? It's only happened to me like four times and three of them were in lounges. I'm sure it happens to you a lot more. It's just a, I, I think it's a really, it's a testament to like one, it's like to, to the information and like who you are, that's like that, that people identify it and it's, it's impacted them. Right. Cause it's like, it's made a mark on them that they, they, you know, like remember it. And then the reach of social media, I, I think up until really sort of like the algorithmic shift of like the TikTok era, there was a gatekeeping to like the size of your account or like the ad dollars you'd spend. And now it's like, boy, I mean, if you have something to say and you can do it in sort of your unique fashionable way, you can grow just exponentially so quickly. It's, it's amazing. Like, I think it's a cool thing. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. For everybody who's like, wow, that must be so nice. You guys are like living celebrity lifestyles, flying in business class all the time, luxury hotels, like all the time, earning gazillions of points. Let's dive into a little bit about like the myth of what this world shows on social media and yeah, just Instagram, YouTube, blogs, all of that versus what it's actually like. So first of all, we're not constantly traveling. Like how much, how many trips do you actually take per year? So this year has been a kind of a crazy year for me. I would say since 2015, I've traveled a lot. So I've done somewhere between 115, 100 and 150,000 miles a year. But a lot of that would be like domestic stuff, or I would just be going back a lot of it. I'd also, it's like my, my wife is from England. So we go back and forth to England quite a bit, but I, I think the the mirage of social media is it's like you're always in some first or business class cabin and you're always on some you know extravagant trip and i mean we've talked about this before but it's like the challenge of a content creator is that anytime at least for me and it's maybe it's it's different for you but it's like a lot of my content is hitting new eyeballs that's you know, it's like if, if you see any post that, that has a bunch of views, the, the majority of them are getting seen by people that actually don't follow you. And so there's a challenge to like ever be creating new content. And so you have to go back and like use trips and use deals and use things that either have are now recurring or are just trips that's like, hey, like this is what you can do. I'm not on the trip. And it's like, but this is how you can actually utilize these points to fly like this. And it can seem like, my God, are, are you ever home? And it's like, for the most part, it's like you're home next to your computer. Like you're either trying to find deals or figure out ways to create new content or just write about it, like writing a newsletter, like doing things like that. That's like, that takes up the bulk of your time. And then there are, there are outlier years where maybe you do just travel and, you know, a ton and, Certainly, I think the buildup from the pandemic, a lot of people had a release valve to where it's like they were traveling 
more than than they weren't. But th- there's certainly a, a mirage of social media that makes it seem like you're just constantly traveling. For sure. Like if somebody does, especially those country hopping types of trips, like that could just be a two week trip, but you can get months of content out of that where every flight segment is going to be at least one reel. You could have one reel just about like the food on each flight segment. If you're jumping between different hotels, every hotel is its own piece of content. If you are doing any cool excursions, that could be its own piece of content. If you want to have like a, here's like a quick itinerary of everything I did in two weeks, that's another piece of content. So for content creators, definitely recycle your content because there's different angles that you can take that make it educational to people in different ways. And for everybody who's just a consumer of content, know that these are being recycled, hopefully in ways that will educate different people in different ways about how to use points and miles. But it doesn't mean we are constantly living in five-star hotels every single day. Most of my content is me screen sharing on a computer. Here's what you click on in order to find these flight deals instead of me being on a trip. I think the other part of it too, is that like I have intentionally made trips far more complicated to build content versus a normal person that would go on a trip would not change hotels. They wouldn't add in stops to be able to, to, you know, film new airlines or whatever. And I think that that also, to your point, it's like these become individual pieces of content that makes it seem like, gosh, you know, you must've been gone forever. I mean, I'm, I'm still posting about a trip that I went on that, really was like in June, July. And I've just been building stories because it's like we did so many things and stacked it all together that it's like it's created almost three months of just story content. And people are like, my God, are you still on this trip? I'm like, no, I'm I'm back home or I've I've done something else. I'm not still in India right now. But yeah, that's that's the truth. And even just like the buildup of like how to book all of these as you're preparing for another trip, that's this whole set of content too, where you're like, okay, now I'm planning to go to India. Now I'm planning to go to Kenya. Now I'm planning to go to England. Even just like, hey, I found a good deal. That's its own piece of content too, in addition to the actual trip. Yeah. And I think part of it too, it's like, I will spread content out because it's like, you can either try and do something every single day, which then I think you can either have fatigue or burnout from trying to do that. Or it's like, you just sort of run out of content because if it's constantly a trip, And so it's like you can piece in deals and you can piece in tutorials as well as like, here's an example of what you could do. Then as a content creator, I think you can sort of stay motivated and inspired to make good content as well as like not exhaust and just keep repeating sort of things that you've done in the past. And I think it's also, it's like, uh, it comes in, it, it comes in waves. I think I'm going to end up having to have, I, I tore my shoulder. So I think I'm going to end up having to have like a shoulder surgery, like at the end of November, it's like, well, I won't be traveling for a little while, but I'll still be able to put out content. So it's like the content that I would be putting out is from prior trips, just highlighting a new way to look at it or whatever. So oh, sorry to hear about the shoulder. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It's getting old. <laughs> So as far as the cost of a lot of these different trips, I know we do a lot of points and miles. And so people are either thinking if they're completely new to your content, uh, they're movie stars. They have all of the money to just do this. And I know I've talked with Elizabeth about this before where she's like, I think a lot of people think that we're in business class because I'm a movie star, a TV star. But part of it is on points, but part of it also is with money. Can you talk a little bit about the mirage of how finances work in all of this and the reality of what's going on. Sure. I mean, like a big part of it is, I mean, just personally, I think I have 25 credit cards and then Elizabeth has, I don't know, 10 to 20 and I'm sort of managing all of those. It's like just the annual fees alone on all of those are substantive. So it's like, you know, because we travel so much, we're able to recoup a lot of those sort of like either in flight credits or specifically, you know, utilizing uh, like the refer a friend links versus the affiliate links, which oftentimes it's like the referrals have better offers than the affiliate links. And so there's ways that's like, you know, you kind of justify those annual fees. I mean, like that's one part of it. The second is it's like just the taxes and fees alone on a lot of these flights. To me, it's like you can't quite compare someone who 
has built a living around this because it's all an expense and anything that I sort of look at, I'm, it's like I'm monetizing it because I'm going to be able to create content that's not only a write-off, but it's also going to drive traffic and you know drive other business sort of growth. But I mean, there's a lot of it. It's like we, we like Elizabeth and I went on a safari earlier in the year. It's like there was the the potential to use points. We stayed at uh, a camp called Ulusaba that was in uh, the Sabi Sands area of Kruger in uh, South Africa. It's like, I'm not going to lie and say I use points for it. It's like we could have transferred Virgin points. It was an absolute terrible valuation. So like we have, we, I, I look at it, it's just like, well, I'm going to review it. I'm going to make content. We just paid cash. And so things like that, it's like, it can seem like so many of these things are just free, but it's like, if it's a good deal, I mean, the vast majority of all my domestic travel, it's like, I pay cash for economy flights. I'm not going to like burn points on that. If it's a hotel that is a better value with cash than points. So, I mean, we spend a healthy amount of money on travel, but it's, it's a fraction of what the quote unquote retail value would be. And it's also completely unrealistic for people who aren't aiming to do this as a full-time job. It's like most people, it's like, if you go on an international trip once every year or two years, like that's an event, like that is a major trip. And I think if you're looking at it from that perspective, I think you can offset the vast, vast majority of your trip. But for people who are doing it like full time, and if they're telling you they're doing it completely free all the time, teach me because I don't know how I don't know how you're doing it. So many great points in there. I think just with the rise and spread of social media, people in their minds think it's normal to just live in Europe as like a 25 year old who has just entered the workforce, making like seventy five thousand dollars a year, and people are like. How are you yachting for the summer? Like, how are you using summer? Like, you're using seasons as verbs. Oh, I summered in Italy. Oh, I wintered in the Maldives or something like that. And that is not the reality of what's going on. There is either like a combination of points, but also money. Like, personally, for me, I think it is in the tens of thousands of what we actually do pay for taxes, fees annual fees, but also a lot of my travel is also just paid with money, especially if it's for a work thing. Like I do a lot of speaking gigs and they are not at fancy hotels. I have stayed at a lot of Hyatt houses and a lot of just like Marriott four points or like whatever the lowest thing is. And people are like, how are you getting your status with all of these? Is it like manufacturers spending through a card? For me, not always. I do travel quite a bit and a lot of it is work write-offs. Like if I'm just buying a flight from Las Vegas over to Chicago, because I'm speaking at Chicago seminars and then staying at like a Hyatt place because I didn't want to stay at Holiday Inn, all of that is business write-offs for us. And I think it's important for a lot of people to realize they don't have those advantages and it's okay. You don't have to monetize this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I don't think that that's really the ambition of the vast majority of people who are looking to sort of like learn some tips and tricks to have that sort of transparency, you know, like anything that I'll ever put on social, it's like, here's what I actually paid for the trip. If I'm recycling something from an old trip, like I'll try and put that in sort of, you know, the, the caption of it is that like, here's when I took it and here's sort of like how much it costs. I think too, if you're, if you're a creator and you're able to have affiliate links, you're able to have referrals, you can earn a disproportionate amount of points compared to a normal person. And so I'm still looking at ways it's like, I'd rather use money than, you know, or like earn points or earn status than I would use points. And basically, even if you can earn them at a faster rate, it's like, they still have value. So it's like, you know, even if you're using 85,000 points, you know, to fly or whatever it is now, like 102,000 Emirates miles to fly from, you know, Dubai to Europe, it's like, but that's still worth something. Like, it's not like those points are worthless. So you're not quote unquote flying free. It's like, you still had to do something to earn them. And a lot of people will say they did it for free or whatever. And to, to each their own, I think it's, it's sort of understanding like, well, what do you mean by that? And weren't there taxes and fees and weren't there sort of like, you know, the overall cost of the credit card to keep it in your wallet. If you're looking to earn more points and miles, there are usually two main ways to get there. The first one is with credit card signup bonuses, where you can easily earn tens of thousands of points by putting your expenses on a new credit card. If you're in the market for a new credit card, we offer free credit card consultations and provide you with personalized recommendations based on your particular travel goals, budget, and lifestyle at geobreezetravel.com slash consultations. And we have links to both the free consultation form for you in the show notes. And now 
back to the show. As far as earning points goes, there is also kind of the assumption and illusion that we have an ever flowing waterfall of points and people are like, oh, it's because you have large social media followings. So you're getting like millions in referral points and that's just not doable for a normal person. What are kind of your reactions to that? Uh, on one hand, I think it's true. It's like, I, I mean, I can earn a lot more points not having to sign up for multiple credit cards or not go through you know, a lot of the hoops to buy gift cards to then use online. I still do those things, but I do earn a lot of points via referrals, whether it's like, you know, Rakuten or it's Amex or it's Chase or whatever. The other part of it is it's like, I also burn points at a far faster rate than a normal person. And so I think that part of it is at least how I sort of view my content. It's like, I'm not telling you that what I'm doing is realistic at the rate at which I'm doing it. What I'm basically trying to show you is here's what you can do. And here are some techniques as to how you can earn points at a very healthy rate. You don't have to be super rich to earn a few hundred thousand points a year, which is more than enough to take a great big international trip, fly business, stay in nice hotels. You can easily do that every 12 to 24 months, which I think is kind of a normal pace for most people. It's like, if you're trying to take as many trips, this has been sort of an insane year for me, but it's like I'm doing, or you see other content creators doing, I just don't think it's a realistic expectation to have. It's it, in, unless you have that pipeline that, you know, you can generate that off of. But I think that that's often lost on a lot of people and a lot of content creators don't quite make that clear. And maybe I don't make it clear either. I, I try to make it as clear as possible, but it's like, it's one of those where it, I think it also comes down to if it's someone who's familiar with your content or someone who's just seeing it for the first time and they think it's just a flex. The truth of it is I, I don't think that there is a comparison because I mean, not everyone has a hundred thousand plus followers and can generate any kind of referrals. I mean, most people that I try and put on my site, like they can't believe that they're maxing out their Amex gold referrals and earning a hundred thousand points off of it. And it's like that right there is like creating a huge pipeline for them that they wouldn't have had access to otherwise. So I personally don't put my personal referrals out on the internet because I don't know when I've hit five and then I would rather just take the affiliate income for it. So as far as referrals, I actually never max mine out. It's just me and my husband referring each other to cards and I am still trying to influence my actual like family to do this. They're still like, they're the hardest ones to influence is my actual family. But as far as like my pace of travel, we do about three or four big trips per year. It costs maybe like 600,000 points. That's completely reasonable for somebody like a normal person to earn 600,000 points per year, either through opening up a few cards or a lot of my private clients are business owners where if you have more than $100,000 of expenses a year, throw in a few signup bonuses, get at least two points per dollar on everything else. It is very easy to earn at least half a million points a year that way. And then you're good to go because most of them are like, well, I can't travel constantly. I have a business to manage. And then you just you save like a few tens of thousands of dollars on one or two cool trips a year. And you are doing way better than like 90% of people in points in that regard. Yeah. And I think that the the whole small business thing, especially like the side hustle sort of side gig, that gig community, I think that the, the small business credit card game is something that a lot of people don't take enough advantage of. I mean, even if you have a hundred thousand plus dollars of expense, I mean, like the world is your oyster at that, at that point. It's like, even if you're just Uber driving and, or, you know, you're, you're doing anything like that where you're getting that 1099, like that's an easy way to add on a couple more cards every year, get a healthy bonus. Yeah. I mean, you can add on another trip very, very easy. Who do you think would be a, a better advantage for the points game? Somebody with a hundred thousand followers or somebody who has a business that makes a hundred thousand a year? The business for sure. I think so too. A lot of people are like, I must grow my Instagram. I must grow TikTok and then get like sponsored trips and referrals and everything. But I keep telling people the exact same thing. I'm like, if you just like channel all this energy into like building a living, 
points are just the cherry on top because you're going to have to be buying inventory. You're going to be paying taxes. You're going to be paying staff. Like I pay my staff through PayPal so that I just link up a credit card on the back end and earn points that way. There's a fee involved, but I'm doing okay. So I think that that's very much missed with like the rise of social media and what people see in front of them versus what's going on in the back end because so many business owners who have businesses but like no social media presence, they are rocking it with earning points and miles. Oh my gosh, hand over fist. And I think a lot of it too, it's like the way that I've always sort of like looked at social is that if you're doing it properly, I think it builds credibility. But it's really for me, I look at it as a marketing advertising arm, like for my sites and the other things that I'm doing that are monetized. Cause it's like, you don't really make any money off of, I mean, I suppose like if you're on YouTube and you're getting millions of views a month, like you're going to make like, you're actually going to make a living off of that. But it's like, I've been fortunate enough to get millions of views on TikTok and Instagram and you cannot live off of the views. So to me, it's, it's, if you can have a business and as you're saying, pour your energy into building the business, you're going to make the points, you're going to make the miles, you're going to do all of that and be able to live an amazing life and take incredible trips. I always think it's like one algorithmic shift on social and it's like everything changed. We just saw a change. We saw the paradigm shift from people that were doing pictures. And it's like, well, suddenly it's like the pictures don't get as much engagement as the short form. Well, something else will come down the road that will shift it again. So I agree with you. It's like build the business and let the points just build with the skills that you sort of learn. When people see those reels and those TikTok videos that have millions of views and they're like, oh, why can't I go viral? I just, I want to do that. What are some of the downsides that people don't expect from when you do go viral? Because inevitably it reaches crazies on the internet. Yeah, there's a certain threshold to where it's like, oh, like you, you know that it's sort of like, went mainstream. And I think you just get a lot of haters. It's less now than initially when things would go viral and you never know what's going to hit and what's not. Like, that's the other thing. It's like, you think that there's some magic recipe and it's like, I th- I don't know, aside from, you know, trying to have a good hook or something like that. Social media, I think is still in the internet by and large is still this place where it's like people feel more compelled to leave negative feedback or negative comments and other things. I look at it now and and sometimes I fight this still where it's like someone leaves just like a really crappy comment or they do something that's like personal or whatever. I mean, sometimes I'll try and clap back and then and then you just wasted your day. Like you just go down this hole and you're just like, gosh, dang it. Why did I even waste my time and energy? The other way is that like, I'll try and do something to where it's like, hey, this is actually what my content is about and it's, it's not about that. And most of the time, you just ignore it. I mean, I think you get to a place where it's like you get a little bit more numb to it, but you certainly open the door to, you know, as you said, like there's some crazies out there that they just want to, you know, pull people down. One other mirage that people often have, like whether it's haters or anyone else, is just like, oh, well, it's very easy to do this once you insert whatever assumptions here, like, well, Zach was a movie star and his wife was a movie star and he was an Abercrombie model back in the day. And whatever assumptions you have about people that makes it easier, what are your thoughts on like things that actually make it easy to grow on social media versus like things that people don't realize make it pretty hard? I think trying to find a unique voice. It's like, I think a lot of people, it's like you see a a style or you see something that has worked for somebody else. And a lot of people try and emulate that. And the problem is, is that you're never going to be as good as the person that's just doing it. And that's just how they are. So it's like, I, I just think you, you just have to be uniquely you. And I also believe if you're giving good information and it's trustworthy and you do it in a way that's like, you're really trying to be like, it's entertaining, but it's also kind of like educational. I think the audience will find you. And I think that that's been these tweaks to the algorithms that like y- your content will inevitably, if you just keep with it, I, I think the-, the the hardest step is like to start because you know, the first thing you ever do that you're foraying into something that you're not known to do, people are going to like tear you down. I think instinctually we kind of recognize it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. But I think a big part of it's like in order to become like who, who you can be or who you will be, you have to sort of almost like burn off who, you know, who you are now. And a lot of that is just stepping into that new area. And it's like, it's not going to be right the first time that you do it. 
And it's like, I remember I talked to, to Spencer, Spencer Howard from uh, Straight to the Points. And this was like very early on TikTok. And he was he was trying to like build on Instagram. We both sort of like did this like, you know, spit handshake. Like let's do 30 days, every single day you do content. And I think what you realize, it's like, it's kind of that second thing where it's like, you have to start and then you have to keep going. And then you just have to stay consistent. And it's like, if you do that, you're going to find the things that pop and you're going to find confidence in your own material. And that's like with anything. It's like when I first started auditioning, it's like, my God, it's like I would show up to an audition. I'd be sweating through my shirt. I like immediately have to go to the bathroom because I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. And then it's like, you do it enough to where it's just like, okay, like I, I know what it's going to be. And I think the intention isn't necessarily on the result of what you're doing. It's it's a lot of it's just in the effort that you put into it and you start to have confidence that you kind of know what you're talking about and that you start to get people who are supportive of you and recognize you for that. And I think it's that way with content creation. It's like the vast, vast majority of people will never start. And then once they do, the, the content won't hit and so they'll quit. And I think if you just keep going, you're going to find your style and you're going to find the community that's like willing to support you. And I find now it's like the overwhelming majority of all of my content are DMs. And like, I try and message as many people as possible, but it's like, it's overwhelmingly positive. And I think that that's the big thing to just like keep focused on is that people will want to support you and people will want to be positive in their interactions with you. Yeah. You said so many important things in there of just like starting being consistent because a lot of people who are like, well, you made a few TikTok videos and then it shot up right away. But there's like those years of blogging from beforehand where you're like, well, I know how to actually explain this stuff because it's been years, not weeks, as it does seem to appear on TikTok sometimes where somebody has an overnight success. And sometimes those are hard to replicate. Like I had one week in Instagram where that's like the majority of my followers. I think I went from like 38,000 to 159,000 in a span of a week. Before that, it was like a steady climb to that 38,000. And now it's been like a steady climb from that 160 to 180. It, it is one of those things. And I think that's like, the, to, to what you're saying, it's like I, I had written so many things on the blog and I look at like, what ended up, they always talk about, you know, like a, an overnight sensation was years in the making sort of a thing. But it's like the time that I spent writing the blog, it's like, I just knew things inside and out. So it's like, I did, I never had a doubt in terms of like what information I knew. And I think that all of the years that I spent like acting or performing just made me comfortable in front of the camera. I had always like looked at, and I was like, you know, people had said, start a blog earlier and I didn't. And then people had said, get into Instagram and, and Twitter earlier earlier than I did when TikTok was sort of like this thing that was like just, you know, people doing dance videos. I had looked at it and been like the mistakes that I had made was going where there's no competition. And I think at that time, when I got onto that platform, it's like there was nobody was doing really what I was doing. And I think that that is a part of that, that it's like that technology came about a time towards like, I had spent years acting, I had spent years blogging, and then suddenly the opportunity presented itself. I think that that's something to keep in mind that it's like, you might toil away at doing something to where it's like, I mean, when I first started blogging, like the whole first year, it's like, I mean, I'd get like 10 views and then I'd get like a hundred spam comments. And I'd be like, God, what am I doing wrong with this website? And then it was like, then boarding area came around and like, you know, I started to get 500 views and it was a thousand. And then it was, you know, then it was like, you know, slowly climb. And that's the hardest time to like actually do it. Like it's really fun and seems easy when you put a video out and it gets 50,000 views. You're like, oh my God, like that's fantastic. It prepares you for when that when you will get success going through those times to where it's just like, it's just a freaking grind and you just have to keep going. And if, and if you don't, I think that you'll probably look back and regret it. And if you do, at least how I looked at it with leaning into TikTok, it's like, what's the worst thing that happens? It's like, it flops and nothing takes off. And, you know, people laugh that I'm trying to do travel tips on a dance app. And then now you look and it's like, it's become this transformational educational sort of like conduit and all the other apps kind of replicated that pipeline and that short form emphasis. So I think you just got to keep going. Yeah. And for everybody who's just starting out where they're like, only 20 people saw my video. Like, is it even worth it? In the beginning, your content, like for anybody, the content's not going to be good. Like if you're getting 20 views, like it's not good yet. 
it is much easier to like struggle through lines and figure out how to edit videos when you've got 20 people staring at you. Like all those people who had built up expertise in Instagram slides photography and had 200,000 followers and Instagram was like, now you got to do video. All those people panicked because then they were like, well, now I got to struggle figuring out my lines and figuring out video in front of 200,000 people instead of 20. So there's always like a blessing and a curse kind of thing. Absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. Any other just like general misconceptions that people have about points, miles, content creation, like what's easy versus what's hard versus what it takes to do what you do. A lot of the people that I would you know, follow on YouTube, and it would be across different um, sort of interest groups. I always looked and thought that's like the freaking easiest. And it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful job. But creating content, it's like to try and come up with new stuff and new ways of looking at it. It's like, if you're thinking about pursuing a path of content creation, I think you really have to look and say at at some point, invariably it's a job and you have to, you just have to be disciplined and work to say, I'm going to, I'm going to try and put out content in, in some way, shape or form. It's like, I look and it's like, I, I will publish something on my site every day. I try and write a newsletter every week and I try and every, you know, two or three days, put something out on Instagram and do a story every day. And I think it's work. And I, and I think is it's amazing and I love what I do. But it's one of those things where it's like, you do have to be committed to it. And I think a lot of people, maybe they're a lot more talented than I am, make it seem like, you know, oh, it's just, you know, it's it's a small portion of my day. And it's like, I look at like how travel has transformed for me. And it's like 10 years ago when I go on a trip, it's like, I wasn't taking any pictures. I wasn't thinking, how can I capture this? Or how can I utilize this or monetize this? Now it's like, I can't go anywhere without recording it without photographing it, without doing something. And so I love it. I'm, I'm not complaining, but it's like, it's one of those things to where it takes over, at least for me, it's like, I'm thinking about content creation like all the time. And if that isn't you, then it probably isn't for you. Because I think if you want to excel and you want to sort of like, you know, continue to grow and everything else, I kind of just think that that seems to be a characteristic that anyone who is successful has. And so, you know, I think that sure there are, there are, there are people out there making content that make it seem like the points and miles are free and all of that. And then people will, will figure out that, Oh, like that's just a marketing point, but they have good content as well. I just think if you're going to one, use your credit cards, don't go into debt, earn points and like flirt around with that. And if you're looking to go into content creation, either within this segment or something else, just make sure you love it and that you love spending the time doing it. I think like with anything else, it's like if you work really, really hard and you create good material and good content, I think success will find you because you'll just beat everyone else. Yeah. I think especially just like with how much yours has grown, it shows how much time you have put into your content. One kind of misconception I think that people have about my calendar is like, oh, like you're spending your days creating content and like doing exactly what you described, but like videoing on planes and hotels and everything. That is actually not what my calendar looks like. My mornings are for like admin stuff, Fridays and sometimes it bleeds into Saturdays are content creation. And my afternoons are sales calls and client fulfillment because most of my business these days is like one-on-one coaching calls with business owners who are looking to get into points. Or if I'm doing a course launch, a lot of my calendar is like making sure all of the links work. I am my own IT department and sales department. And um, I do have some um, admin help with like customer fulfillment and everything. But by and large, like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff isn't all of the sexy, look at me in Emirates first class. It's like somebody's writing to you and you should respond back to them and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like that's a huge part of, I mean, like the the admin, the compliance, like all of that kind of stuff takes up a lot of time that I think it's like with anyone. I mean, it's like you look at any, if, if you're a professional athlete or whatever, it's like most people see game day. And I think that that is basically the final product of a piece of content. And you're like, oh, well, that looks so easy. And it's like, there's so much that's like a Michael Jordan or someone. And it's just like, it looks so incredibly easy, except they've spent hours upon hours in the gym. And I think that that's a big part of if you're looking to be an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or you know, I think that technology has made that so much more 
possible because you don't need an office with a ton of people. You can hire some people just to help with some admin stuff and some help here, but it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of time that nobody else sees. Like that's why you have a successful business though, Julia. It's like, that's, that's why it's, it's happened the way that it has. And I, and I also think it's like why a lot of people will ultimately not get over the hurdle is because it's, it's all of that stuff, but it's awesome. It's like, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else. So it's like, it's, I, I love it, but it's, it's one of those, like, realistically, it's a lot of work. Yeah. And I think it is important to kind of gravitate towards the part of it that you like the best. Like you love performing, you love entertaining, you like the content creation. I like problem solving. And I like just people being like, I have questions. What do I do? And like going fast into solution mode. I'm actually terrible. If somebody's just like, I just need to rant and I just need a shoulder to cry on. I'm always the person who's like, you know, here's the solution for how we can fix your problem. They're like, I don't need solutions. I just need a hug. And I'm just like, here is the the plan. So I'm terrible when it comes to like being a supportive friend, but I'm fantastic when it comes to being a client manager and getting you solutions and flights that you want. And I think it's important to just gravitate towards the part that you like, which is why I really do enjoy sales calls. And I enjoy like finding um, flight deals for people and doing all the tutorial videos. Like I like doing the tutorial videos on YouTube a lot more than like the Instagram style one. So I spend a lot more time on those. So we talked a little bit about using technology to make this easier. Do you have any thoughts about like the future of like AI technology and like how that's going to affect our industry, both in the world of points, but also in the world of just like content creation? And what do you think the future looks like there? It's going to be interesting. I think on one hand, I think to a certain degree, it's going to elevate the content creator. Uh, it'll give people tools to, you know, articulate and design websites or apps or be able to edit material a lot faster, get rid of errors, just the ability. It's like, I remember when I first made my first YouTube video and it's like just getting like the captions up. And it's like, I remember even on TikTok, it's like, I'd have to type this stuff out and you're just like, oh my God. So from that perspective, I think that it's going to be really beneficial. I don't know in terms of deep fakes, you know, on people being able to like, you know, you see some of this open journey content and you're like, my God, like they just created this background that just looks like I'm in the Maldives. Like this is insane. Who knows? I think with it, with any kind of like advent of technology, you know, there's a lot of disruption. And I think AI is the potential of being one of the most disruptive technological advancements that we've ever seen. I know that that's a big reason as to like why the writers were striking and a big reason why the SAG-AFTRA members, of which I am one, are still striking at this point. So I, you know, I don't know. I tend to think that technology disrupts things. And I also think there's this push towards sort of like decentralization and people like us are trusted because I think a lot of like the big overarching, you know, mainstream media places that people would go get information. There had been, I think there's been a crisis of credibility. And so people are looking for those people who they can get honest, reliable information from. And I think AI could really empower people like us to have businesses on our own that don't require a whole lot of overhead and don't require a whole lot of employees. I think that that down the road potentially, you know, can affect accountants and it can affect a lot of things. AI may take, they may not take the profession completely over, but in terms of like, you know, I can get a boilerplate for a contractor. If they're offering me a, you know, social media post, it's like, I can run some of this stuff through an AI legal eye. And at least it poses some questions that I may have that I don't feel like outsourcing to a lawyer. So I think net, I think it will probably help people like us, but I think it will potentially erode a lot of, a lot of other jobs and, and places in industry. What, what do you think? I've tried to use AI editing for like certain things if I like don't want to record myself. We've had two episodes where like my microphone just like the sound quality was not there and we had to like AI my voice in. So there are two episodes featuring AI Julia. I don't remember the numbers, but one was like the all-inclusive one featuring Amy. And then the other one was featuring Choose to Explore, where we were talking about how to travel to Tahiti on a budget. So in those two episodes, you can hear from AI Julia. She's right at the beginning being like, hello, real Julia had some microphone issues. So AI Julia will be filling in for this episode. Enjoy. And it's all of my words, but with an AI voice who's like completely monotone. And she sounds kind of hilarious where it's like, I think that ice cream on a plane is much more luxurious than champagne on a plane. 
everyone has sparkling wine, but not everyone has ice cream. And then the guests will just like respond like normal because it was an actual conversation during recording, but we had to AI my voice. So that has been one hilarious thing. And I, I'm interested in the future of podcasts where like, are people even talking to each other in the future? Or is it just like two people chatting or like two chat GPTs chatting? And then like you AI their voice on it and then put some B-roll. And I'm like, what content is even like humans in the future? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be weird. There's a big part of me that that is, you know, fearful of what this new sort of, you know, this new world is going to be. And then there's a, another part of me that's like, you know, th- the same thing is when we started using Google and being able to search things or like coming up with content creation ideas. I would just imagine that, you know, AI is going to be a tool that a lot of people will use to what whether they have the AI actually create the content, but just coming up with ideas or, or thoughts or, you know, information on things could be, could be beneficial, but it's going to be a brave new world. I'll tell you that. Do you currently edit your own videos and like still do all of your own stuff or how much of it is outsourced? It's all me. Yeah. Oh man. All of my stuff is not edited by me ever since like day one of the podcast, I was like hiring a Fiverr person and then I have like staff to do it now, but I have no idea how to edit. A podcast. I use uh, CapCut uh, for all of my editing. And the biggest, I think the biggest reason that I haven't, because I've filmed so much stuff for like longer form YouTube, which is really what I would like to try and like build up a little bit more. And the the biggest thing that I've been like resistant on is, is the editing aspect of it. And I ought to just hire an editor for that or just start learning the skill myself. But yeah, like all my videos are me. Like I've edited everything the voiceover, like all that. Yeah. I think that is one other mirage that sometimes happens is where people are like, how do you have time to like do everything yourself? Well, if you're Zach, you're Superman. If you're me, you hire people. I am not doing all this myself. I have video editors. I have administrative assistants. I have award search travel experts who are helping out with like my clients and my Patreon and my course enrollees. I have a lot of technology going on. I have AI Julia who steps in in case this microphone um, completely breaks down. So I have hired a lot of help. So sometimes um, it is one person doing it all on their own. Sometimes it's not. And that can just be like one more mirage of what's going on with the world of points and miles and Instagram and all of that. I mean, I think hiring an editor is a really smart thing and and, ha- and having support is is very wise. I think that I'm probably missing out on on opportunities, but I just do everything. And it's it. I, I spend a lot of hours doing it, like whether I'm on a plane or a hotel or I'm just doing like a, some sort of, you know, informational one. It's like, I know exactly what I need. Like I know the shots, I know all of that. And so it's like, it, I have been able to do it in a really quick, it's like, I, I will have, if I, if I'm on a flight, by the time I land, I have the whole flight done. Like I have it edited. I have it all done. I have like pages and pages of photos and like little two second, three second panning through like my food and my seat and everything. And then once I get home, I'm like, well, going to send that over to somebody else to deal with. (laughs) That's how I do mine. But as we kind of wrap up here, you have dropped so many different gems about the illusion of social media and points and miles and like what's actually going on. What would you say is your number one piece of advice for people listening today about keeping it real, whether it's with points and miles or content creation? I would say if, if you're thinking about either getting into points and miles or starting to create content, it's just to just start and not be too caught up on doing it exactly right because you won't. And even what you think is right now in six months, you'll look back and say like, oh, I could have done this or that. And I think it's just to start you know, sign up for your first credit card. Julia has a ton of information. I have a ton of information. It's like, just pivot into it. You'll learn a lot just by going through that process. And if it's in content creation, look at it and say like, what do I really like to do? And what sort of unique perspective do I have on an existing space? Because the odds are like, it's not going to be the information. It's going to be in how you present it. Fantastic advice. And speaking of great advice, Can you recommend somebody else on the internet that listeners should go follow for even more points and miles tips? Yes. I I talked about nonstop points. He's a buddy. Go, go check out his site and on Instagram, uh, nonstop points. He's a young creator. He's in college right now. So yeah, go check out nonstop points. And where can we find you on the internet? At Zachary Brable on Instagram or TikTok. And I think it's at the Zachary Brable on YouTube because someone took at Zachary Brable, I think, but at Zachary Brable, you'll find me. I feel like we're going to end up seeing a lot of deep fake videos of you on like the first one. Yeah, I don't know. And real quick, tell us about your book. 
Uh, yeah, it's first class travel on a budget. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I wrote it sort of last year. It came out earlier this year in April. And if you just want sort of like a 35,000 foot view of credits, how to start, how to transfer points, all that kind of stuff, you can find it in the book. I have a copy. I have the autographed copy, which I'm very excited about. And my favorite section in there was the credit sequencing because there's like so many rules past five over 24 where people are like, okay, so how does this work with like Capital One or Amex or like Bank of America or all those other ones that people never actually talk about? I really found that section useful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Zach, so much for joining us on the show today. This has been immensely wonderful getting to chat with you about all things points and miles and also the mirages of our industries, which I think people will really appreciate you keeping it real and being like, here's what's actually going on. So thank you for providing us with that. Well, thank you for having me. This is long, long overdue. We've been trying to make this happen for a while. And yes, thank you for having me. I had a great time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast leave a five-star review and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly masterclass hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels. Mm-hmm.